Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1. Gospel of Luke chapter 1. I have always wanted to say these words in a sermon. This just in. We've got some teens and there's uh, some of our, uh, their moms and dads as well as some sponsors who are at a teen retreat in Port Aransas called Frequency. Um, tuning in to the voice that matters, which I think goes great with the series that we're in right now. Uh, and this morning, some, some great news for those of you. I'd like for you to see, first of all, a very ordinary Scooty. And now I'd like for you to see an extraordinary Scooty. Awesome. Then I'd like for you to see an ordinary Evie. And now I'd like for you to see an extraordinary Evie. <laughs> oh man, that was so great. Uh, literally, I shot, Ricky shot those to me this morning and says, Do you have time to do this? <laughs> so, well, yeah, we'll make time for this. So, just what a yay God. I mean, and I, I share that with you guys with all the joy and the Lord that can come out of my mouth intelligently uh, because uh, we were a part of that. Pouring into those kids' lives. Uh, Mom and dad, no doubt, are at the point of that, and grandma and grandpa's, and all that kind of good stuff. But this family has been raising uh, the Garretts for a long, long time. And so I know that excites your heart as much as it does mom and dad's. I also want to start off this morning by taking a little bit of a poll. We're about to dive into the Thanksgiving season, baby. My favorite time of the year. And uh, we're going to be eating some great food, especially some incredible pies that really don't come out in a lot of homes, in ours too, except for this time of the year. So I'm just kind of curious, who, favorite pie that's going to be eaten in Thanksgiving is a pecan pie. Who's your favorite? Pecan. Okay. Hands down. All right. Next. Uh, Who's pumpkin pie? Okay. That's the number one answer in America. All right. Now, last but not least, chocolate pie. All right. The true Christians in the room. Love chocolate pie. So glad it's coming out. We got a lot of folks here who are already uh, flew the coop and they're on their way to their parents, and some are going to be headed their way here soon. And so please continue uh, to pray for them and pray for the sportsmen. We're going to be heading out to Rudo, so we get a load of uh, furniture that's going to be taken going that way. And I just want to say for those of you who've been asking how things are at, where are we at, and and and, and all the move stuff, um, it's been a crazy last month. Uh, if we didn't have the house on the market for sale, we were showing the house, selling the house. Right now, we've got a contract for it. Uh, we, the 14-day op, opt-out period has passed, and so, Lord willing, it's going to close on uh, December the 21st. And so all that has been crazy. And in the midst of that, getting a house ready, selling it, blah, 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 blah. Um, my wife decided we needed a 1984 fifth-wheel trailer. Did you hear the words 84? Uh, we don't buy anything in the sportsman's household house-like that's not decrepit. And so we're restoring that in the midst of all of this, too, so that when we uh, sell our house, we have a place to be able to go to. So it has just been crazy at our home. And there's no way we would have made it without your encouragement and without your prayers. And I just want to say thank you. Um, Gail has run point for much of that. And so I wanted to kick off this morning with a story that I know that she can relate to from what she's experienced the last few weeks but also any mother in this room with young children can relate to any week. There was a lady who called a close friend of hers because she had heard her friend's husband had COVID. And so she called and said, how are things going? And the lady responded, terrible. 
My head's splitting. My back and my knees are killing me. The house is a mess. Doing home at school is about to drive me nuts. And so sympathetically, the caller said, well, I'm coming over right now. And you're going to lay down while I fix lunch for you and the crew. I'm going to vacuum the house, watch the kids while you take a needed nap and get some rest. And by the way, how's Byron doing? The lady said, Byron, my husband's name is Quentin. To which the caller said, oh, I'm so sorry. I must have dialed the wrong number. And there was a long, long pause. And then the lady said, so are you still coming over? (laughs) Some of you moms feel that way this week. I know my, my wife, the mother of my two kids, has. Now, I share that story because being a mother is a hard call. We're in a series that I've entitled Called, just simply called, because we've seen through Scripture, not only does God call people in ancient times, but he calls all of us in some very specific ways. Three for every single one of us. One, he calls us to salvation. And this morning, Scooty and Evie said yes. Now they're going to be involved now because of the power of the Holy Spirit within them in some transformation. Uh, that's the second call. And the third call is hopefully, well, they, those two kids, if you know them at all, are already on mission because of the parents that they've been raised with. Those are the three calls that God calls all of us to. But then he also gives each of us a very specific and unique calling in our lives. I've been watching both through my own mother uh, and through our girl's mother a couple of women do, I think, the most difficult job in the world, and that's be a mom. It's the most difficult job that I think anyone will ever love, is from what I've seen at least. Now, I know that's debatable, but I've never seen a calling, except for motherhood, quite as overwhelming and quite as underappreciated as a calling to be a mom. And my hope this morning is going to be aimed at parents in general. My, my points this morning are going to be aimed at parents in general. But I want you to hear this unapologetically. Um, it's going to be aimed at moms specifically. And my hope is that parents, you see that your God-given role, not so much as a duty or a responsibility, but just as a calling, a hard call, but still a calling, a very definite calling from God. Now, while there's some wonderful exceptions in this world, every person that I'm looking at here most likely is going to be helping to raise some children that either you brought into the world or that someone else brought into the world that you've been giving the calling to nurture and to care for and to love. So I'll say it again. Parenting is a calling, and it is a hard call. Let's listen in as God calls one of the most famous parents ever in Luke chapter 1 26 in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph a descendant of David the virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored oh the Lord is with you Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you were to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, because the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the question, "How, how will this be? 
since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And I don't know how long the pause was, but Mary replied with this. I'm the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled in me. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried into a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zacharias' home and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is this child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. And then Mary said, Oh, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Bow with me, church. Never gets old, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for finding this young maiden and coming into this world in our package, in our skin, fully human and yet at the same time fully God. Don't understand that, but so glad that you came. Father, this morning we're not the only ones who are entering this season of Thanksgiving, entering this season of, of remembering uh, your son's coming and how much it means to us. This morning also, please be with the Holy Cross Lutheran Church. We know that they love Jesus and are lifting him up as Lord of their lives, breaking bread this morning, preaching the word, singing songs to him, to you. Please hear all of that, Father, as one voice from your, your body of Christ that loves you and loves your son, loves the Holy Spirit. Would you please knit our hearts together so that the world might believe that you really did send him and that it matters. For we ask it in Jesus' name and everybody said. I'd like to suggest that what this powerful angel Gabriel does when he comes to see Mary is extend to her not so much a commandment but an invitation. He's asking Mary to believe two incredible things. Number one, are you able to believe that God can do the impossible? And number two, are you available for God to do the impossible through now, Mary's not being asked to understand it. I'm so glad. Because we don't understand this conception by Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a mystery here that I don't think any theologian has been able to unwrap or unravel. She is not being asked, do you understand this? But she is being asked, are you willing to undertake this? God's calling you, Mary. Will you obey? And church, I don't want you to miss this. Mary has to believe before she conceives. Next slide, please. Mary has to believe before she conceives. 
And the fact that she could, I think, impress her relative Elizabeth in such a way that she couldn't help herself, literally, because it says the Spirit came upon her. Go ahead. There we are. That's the one. Blessed are you, Mary, for you have been able to believe that the Lord could accomplish everything He promised. Now, church, I think it's worth noting how Mary expressed that belief. She didn't need time to think about it. She didn't need time to pray about it. She went right to committing to it. Responding to the angel, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. Man, I don't know if I'd have been able to do that. But what a bold commitment to make. For many reasons. Number one, instead of praying the world's most common prayer, and you know what it is. Whenever God interrupts our lives and drops something extraordinary into it and asks of us something extraordinary, we often pray, thy will be changed. Right? That's not what Mary prays. Mary prays not the common prayer, but the committed prayer. She prays, thy will be what? Done. It was a prayer that Mary would teach her boy to pray, wouldn't she? And so I find it interesting that Mary has a master before she ever becomes a mother. And he would be her own son. In fact, she would be the only human being who ever would be a disciple of Jesus for his entire life. She's just always there. She's there obviously at his birth. She's there obviously when they flee for their lives to Egypt. She's there as God learns to walk. God learns to walk and talk. She's there when he gets lost at the temple. Well, I guess she was there after he got lost at the temple, but you know what I mean. She's there in his teenage years. She's there when he initiates his ministry in the crowd shouting, Hosanna in the highest. She's there when the crowd shouts, crucify him now. Mary is a disciple who is always there. And as always is the case for discipleship, Mary has no idea, none, what kind of sacrifices and what kind of challenges are in store for her because she's agreed to have a role in the Jesus story. But Mary knows she's been called. And therefore God is going to enable her to do what he promised he would do. She believes, which is another aspect of Mary that I think is noticeable. Mary saw mothering as a calling, not just as a duty, not just as a responsibility. Mary saw mothering as a calling. Did you notice several times that we heard the angel and Elizabeth say, Mary, you are going to be so blessed. Well, that's an interesting term. That's an interesting adjective. It's an interesting word. You're going to be blessed. Because there's nothing easy about what we know about Mary being the mother of Jesus. Think for a moment about what being blessed included, folks. Number one, for starters, it meant being pregnant before she was married. Now, in Mary's day, they don't throw you a shower when that happens. They throw you out. You have to go hide to have that child. And that was a hard part of the call of Mary's life, her entire adult life. Next came a difficult trip at the moment when she was due. No woman in the world who's nine months pregnant wants her husband to walk in and say, Hey, babe, I was thinking about, I don't know, taking a trip this weekend, 90 miles on some donkeys. What do you say? That's what Mary heard. But God wanted that baby born in a place regardless of whose agenda it was because it was his agenda. Then came the fact of a less than ideal birthing place. Nobody wants to give birth to a child. Your first child, especially surrounded by livestock. I'm told it was just 
miserable. So was that joke. <laughs> this was not Mary's choice, you know that. Nor was the fugitive lifestyle. The first few years of Jesus' life was lived on the land, on the run, going from place to place because the king in power wanted her baby dead. What's that like? Every night, barely able to sleep, jumping at the slightest noise that you hear in some strange town, some strange setting, constantly on the edge of poverty to boot. Did you know Mary was poor? When they brought the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, the scripture says, they gave the offering the law allowed for the poorest Jew in Israel. Next, it seems that Mary may have spent many of her years as a single parent. We don't know this for sure. But Joseph isn't married, I mentioned, at all in Jesus' life after he was 12 years old. And most scholars believe it's because he died. So that meant Mary knew what it was like to be a single mom. Probably one of the greatest challenges for any human being to face. And it didn't get any easier when Jesus grew up. Remember when Jesus comes back for his first sermon in Nazareth? This is Mary's hometown. Jesus, where he grew up. He preaches his first sermon, and we're told they tried to throw him off a cliff for it. Don't tell Garrett about that, all right? He's going to be preaching for me next week. How is that a blessing? Wow, you begin to appreciate what the prophet Simeon said to Mary the day that they came to dedicate their firstborn at the temple. He said, this child is for the rising and the falling of many in Israel. And he will be spoken against. And then Simeon locked eyes with Mary and he said, a sword is going to pierce your soul. And we know it did. One more time, Mary was there. She didn't have to read about it. She didn't hear about it. She witnessed the execution of her own son. And you know friends of hers tried to talk her out of going. Mary, you really don't want to be here for this. I have to be here for this. And she stayed as close to her boy as possible. And some of you are thinking, Jimmy, are you kidding me? This is what it means to be blessed for answering God's call? Well, the call of God is not an invitation to an easy life, I promise you that. But it is a call in your life, hear me clearly, to make a difference. And that, my friend, is a blessing for all of eternity, not just for now. It may not have been the life that Mary would have chosen, I can almost guarantee you that, but it was a life that Mary embraced. Why? Because she believed she was called by God. That's why. In fact, when she started to realize God's purposes were about to break into her life, she breaks out in song. Remember? My soul glorifies the Lord, she's saying. The mighty one has done great things for me, and he hadn't even gotten started yet. That was a hard call. But it was God's call. And Mary saw it was a calling of privilege. Not a problem, but of privilege. And so... I would hope this morning every single mother in this room would hear that same calling. Because I believe that God calls all moms to prepare him room to birth and grow new disciples of Jesus in them. I do. This series called has produced some interesting conversations with some of you. Some of you have said that since you've been listening to these messages, God's call on your life has been to teach special needs children. Some have said that they sense God's call to missions like they've never had before. 
another to seminary, another to find a new place of employment for their gifts to be used. All of those are challenging calls in their own right, but I don't think any of them are as challenging as the one that I've witnessed in my life and through my girls in their lives. And that's the call to be a mom. I know that sounds dated. I know that sounds old-fashioned. I know that may even sound a little bit politically incorrect. But to mother any child into being a fully devoted disciple of Jesus grabs my heart. And it grabs my complete respect. Now, moms, some around you I would have warned are never going to see your calling admirably. It's not going to happen. And it pains me to say that. But the fact of the matter is, highly favored is not how many view the role of a mother today. And in some respect, that's true of all callings. Because every single calling includes the possibility of being scorned or rejected or being misunderstood if you answer it. But God makes no apologies, does he? When his call in our lives means reframing that life through a kingdom lens and not through the lens of culture. So I've always loved the story of Tony Campolo that he tells about his wife. Tony has a PhD, so does his wife. She's brilliant, he's brilliant. She's capable of making a very lucrative salary in her particular field, but she chose to be a stay-at-home mom when her children were small. Now, Tony continued to move in some pretty elite academic circles, and they would find themselves at conferences and receptions, and invariably somebody would walk up to Mrs. Campolo and say, and what do you do? And although she has a PhD, she would reply, I'm a homemaker. I take care of my husband and my two children. To which many folks replied, oh, that's nice. And would move on pretty quickly to talk to somebody else. So she reframed her response to the question for future dinner parties and receptions. That when someone came up to her and said, and what do you do? She replied this way. Well, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition. Equipping them to become agents of transformation of the current social order. Influencing it into the kind of eschatological utopia God had in mind from the beginning. You may have to hear that back on tape. I love that. That's a mother who gets her calling. What I would encourage all of us who've heard God's call today is this, but particularly you moms, please do the same thing Mary did. Get you an Elizabeth. If you've heard the call of God in your life, you've got to get an Elizabeth. What do I mean by that? You find somebody who also has heard the call who've also seen God do the impossible, who also knows and has invited Him to do the impossible through them. And you surround yourself with those people because you're going you're to need them. Which is one reason you need to be a part of a church that's grounded in Scripture and devoted to Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, if you're visiting this morning, you found one. Amen. Yeah. This is a place where we invite people to believe that God does the impossible. And we lean in when we start to hear it. We celebrate that. This is a place where moms are highly favored. And this is still a kingdom where moms are highly effective. The agnostic Robert Ingersoll at the height of his fame was giving a lecture at a college. He was a famous atheist. Two students went to hear him and they listened to him attack Christian religion with his usual gusto. And when it was through, one student said to the other on their way back home, well, Ingersoll knocked the props out of Christianity tonight, didn't he? To which the other one said, no, I don't think he did. 
Because Ingersoll didn't explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I'm going to stand with my mother's God. Moms, you make a difference. Huge difference. And God's asking you to regard your calling maybe differently than you ever have before. And here's your two greatest challenges. They're not what you think. We tend to think life is about energy and funds, don't we? <laughs> Especially the older you get. Life would be better if I had more energy and if I had a little bit more money. But God makes it clear from cover to cover in his word, no way. He makes it incredibly clear through Mary's call that our greatest need are two things, faith and courage. That's what we need in this world. Which is why the angel said, Mary, don't be afraid. Just believe. Believe that God's real. Believe that He's active. Believe this Holy Spirit can come upon you and work through you. So live bravely with that. And believe that God still does the impossible. And she said, may it be to me just as you've promised. Now, friend, if you struggle with that, I get it. I do. I would struggle responding the way Mary did because I have no problem believing that God can do the impossible. Not a problem for sportsmen. But I do have a problem believing he can do the impossible through me. If you too, just say that out loud, okay? I do too. Yeah. That's where we struggle, isn't it? Faith and courage, that's what we need more so than energy and money. There are many days in our lives, particularly in the lives of moms I know, where it's hard to believe that anything of value just happened when the sun sets and our head hits the pillow. The house is a mess, the kids are sick, there's unfinished homework to be done still, and you go to bed exhausted thinking, I can't point to one thing that I think made a kingdom difference in my life today. And that's when God says, oh, mom, please believe that we're partnering this together. And then in time, you're going to see that it mattered. I think the story of Elgin Staples underscores that. He was serving in World War II in the Battle of Savoy Island when he was swept off a ship and out into the sea. His legs were badly wounded, and the only thing that kept him afloat was his life belt. He was later picked up by a passing destroyer, and he hung on to that life belt, as you might imagine, as a souvenir that he took home. That life belt was made by Firestone Rubber Company. It had a processing number on it, a registration number. And it just so happened when he got back home, his mother worked for Firestone. And he asked her, why do they put those registration numbers on? And she responded, well, they do it as kind of a quality control measure to trace it back to people who are working on them and see if they're doing good work. She said, what's the number on it? He told her the number and she gasped. <gasps> because she made that belt. Isn't that crazy? That her faithfulness to work excellently and wholeheartedly would matter in the life of saving her son. Moms, please, 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 please don't let the world abort what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you and through you. I'll say it again. There's a calling on every single one of us. And we want to embrace that at this church. We want to encourage that and endorse that. But moms, as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, you know what this church wants to do this morning? Is we want to thank you for what you do. So for just a moment, we can indulge me.
I don't know if we have any here this morning, but do we have a great, great, twice, great, great grandparent in here? No. Do we have a great, oh, we had one? Oh, great grandma, great grandpa? Would you, well, listen, we're going we're to let you sit, okay, Richard? Great grandma, great great grandma, would you stand up for a minute? We want to say thank you to you. Come on. We're going to say thank you, and you just sit right there. There you go. All right. Now, do we have any just single great grandparents here? Raise your hand. All right, would you please stand? Come on now. We want to say thank you to you, moms. Okay, be seated. All right, now, Gail, get ready. Do we have any grandparents in the room? Please stand up. Grandparent moms. Okay, I keep saying parents, but I mean moms. 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 Okay, y'all be seated. Now, I want you to say, I want to say something real quick at this juncture. The scripture never separates moms away from grandparents great-grandparents and great-grandparents as far as the burden that we have to influence the generation coming up. Lays the same burden on all of us. And so we're all in this together. So last but not least, any and every one of you who is a mom in any form or fashion, would you please stand? Any kind of mom in here, grand, great-grandmother, whatever. If you're a mom, please stand up. Come on. Thank you guys for what you do. You girls for what you do. Be seated. Now, I, that may seem a little bit lame, but it's just our effort to say thank you. We recognize that what God's called you to is a hard call, and it is. And we want you to know going into this Thanksgiving season, we may not say it often enough, but we are grateful for all that you do, moms. And I'm grateful to be your brother in Christ and to watch some of you mother the way that you do. It just stuns me. So, to all of us, what God's called you to very well may be your own version of a hard call, but God's calling you. He's calling you. Specifically to do two things. Number one, to believe that He is able to do the impossible. Number two, to be available for Him to do the impossible through you. Father in heaven, we... Uh, We need ears to hear. <laughs> There's so many calls in our lives. So many. Help us to sort through those to your call. And then, you know how weak we are. We're asking for you through the power of your spirit. Would you, would you help us respond? And if there's some here today who don't know that power, who've never said yes to Jesus and his cross and the empty tomb and all that comes with the forgiveness that comes through that cross and the hope and the eternal life that comes through that empty tomb. Father, would you please help them to find me, find one of our elders, find anyone here that likes Scooty and Evie. They can cross over from being ordinary to extraordinary. Thank you for coming to make that possible. We celebrate you with this song, and then we invite you to come be with us at the table as we remember again the calling that you have on all of our lives. For we ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Let's stand and let's praise the church.